Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Craig F. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Today is uh, September the uh, 3rd. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to, and today we're reading from the big book and we're at page 52, the second paragraph that starts, we had to ask ourselves. Today's readers are um, uh, Lisa B, Aaron I, Martha Z for the reading, and Vanessa S for the 12 steps, and Stacy T for the 12 traditions. Um, the reference numbers for yesterday, the reference number for yesterday's meeting is 13,319, OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the, OA, through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose and that's to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffered. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I now ask uh, Vanessa S. to read the 12 steps. Vanessa? Good morning, this is Vanessa S., recovering compulsive overeater from Charlotte, North Carolina the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, Thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you for my, the opportunity to be of service, and I pass. Thank you very much. Next, we have Stacy T. is going to read the 12 traditions for us. Stacy. Good morning. This is Stacy T., recovering compulsive eater in Cleveland, Ohio. 
One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has one but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for letting me be of service, and thanks, Craig, for your service this morning. Okay, thank you. Um, Real quick before we move on, um, I have a correction on the share ID for uh, Monday. It was 13,346 and, uh, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, and for the 10 a.m., it was 13,347. So uh, correct your notes if you take them. All right. Um, how our meeting works? No? Yeah. Uh, our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery uh, described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Um, anyone can share, and we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, our, uh, we resume our study of the big book uh, on page uh, 52, the second paragraph. And I'm now going to ask Vanessa, uh, no, excuse me, I'm now going to ask Lisa B. to get us started. Lisa? Good morning, Craig. Thank you so much for your service. My name is Lisa B., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. We had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. We couldn't control our emotional natures. 
We were a prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living. We had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. We couldn't seem to be a real help to other people. Was not a basic solution of these bedevilments more important than whether we should see newsreels of lunar flight? Of course it was. Well, this is a really powerful paragraph, and I'm sure it's going to be a wonderful meeting listening to everyone's shares. Um, This is describing how life is really horrible as an active compulsive overeater. It could also be a compulsive overeater that is just dry, abstinent only. It's life without a solution. And um, there's so much here, you know, that I could touch on. So I want to describe to to you um, my experience when I came in here. I thought that life was very difficult. I was having a problem with personal relationships. Now, I was able to make a living, but I couldn't do it happily. I didn't know that that was being an untreated compulsive overeater. I've experienced uh, five years of abstinence only. Now, many of those years, much of those time was white knuckle abstinence, um, but I was still frustrated and I was irritable and I was restless and I just thought that that's the human condition. I didn't know that that's what it is to be an untreated compulsive overeater. Then I've also been in the food, actively eating and binging, restricting, compulsively exercising, trying to get away from the food and trying to figure out ways to get into the food and get away with you know, being able to eat what I want without showing any weight. And I've experienced all of these bedevilments. The dictionary tells me that the word bedevilment means to torment or harass maliciously with doubts, distractions, and worries to cause confusion, doubt, confound. Um, Yeah, so that's what the dictionary tells me, and that is definitely what I have experienced. I've also experienced the the middle-of-the-road solution not going to any length um, in this program and doing uh, tool-based recovery and experienced all of these bedevilments. And then I wanted to touch on that word useless. It means not fulfilling, um, not achieving the intended purpose or the desired outcome. It also means futile, pointless, purposeless, impractical, vain. All of that is what I've experienced. I could never be a real help to other people. I was obsessed with myself. And then the first line, it says, we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. So the paragraph before was describing how um, with ease we discard old gadgets. You know, why can't we have that same readiness to discard old ideas? And that's where asking my higher power, even though I don't yet know my higher power at this point, asking for help. How can I have a new experience, a new experience? How can I have a a new attitude, a new point of view. Well, of course, I need to go through the steps in abstinence to really have that psychic change. But I could begin to reach out for it, as if reaching in a dark room, you know, for that light switch and relying on my fellows and relying on the tools to help me to get to that point. But it really takes going through the steps. Um, I just really couldn't touch on much. I'm really curious and anxious to hear what everyone has to say. But the other thing my sponsor told me with this paragraph is that this is how I can identify what an untreated compulsive overeater is. And it's all the exact opposite of what step nine is and step 10 is. 
I do every so often have a bedevilment come in my life daily, but it doesn't last long. It could be maybe 10 minutes. Sometimes it's a few hours, but the steps really save me. So with that, I pass. Thank you. All right, Lisa. Thank you. Okay. Um, I'm sure that this is going to be uh, usually is a popular paragraph for people to share on. So uh, I want to remind everybody that if you shared yesterday or Friday, that we ask you to hold back and allow the new voices and uh, shy voices to step forward. So uh, with that, I'm going to open it up. Who would like to share on the paragraph we just read? Katie G from we, Boston. All right, I got Kelly S, Harlan G, Marilyn T, right, I got KG, I got Nancy, I got Du, and Marilyn. I think that's a good uh, a good lineup. All right, I got Kelly S, Harlan G, Katie, Nancy, Du, and Marilyn. Uh, Kelly, let's go. All right. Well, good morning, Craig. My fellow Tulsan at Kelly S. Recovered Compulsive Overeater and Bulimic in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Wow. Can't believe I got heard. Um, glad to be on the line because um, I appreciated the reader's share. And uh, this was my life before my recovery. You know, you guys know I've been in these rooms for 30-something years. And I had many times where I was abstinent. Um, and lived in the bedevilment. I didn't really know there was a different way I could live, right? So I love it on this line that, you know, I, I grew up in these meetings, and I used to always hear that abstinence is the number one most, you know, most important thing in my life, without exception. That was it. Well, that's all that mattered to me. You know what? As long as I went to bed abstinent, put my head on the pillows, that's all that mattered. It didn't matter how I was living my life. And I'm telling you, I was not living a spiritual principled life at different times. I was definitely the guy who came out of the storm shelter saying, Hey, ain't it grand? The wind stopped blowing, Ma. You know, that's all I cared about is putting those days together. And guess what? I do have to be abstinent. I have to be abstinent 100% black and white. But that's just the beginning. I had it backwards. I'm only getting abstinent and being abstinent to work these steps to get that relationship with my higher power so I can get out of these bedevilments. You know, I really never knew there was a different way. My mind was closed. I had to do the set-aside prayers everybody else shared, you know. And what I didn't understand was, this is what it's like to live without this solution, without my higher power, without these steps. And what does it take? And I think it's like 30, 31 pages later, after we've worked the steps, we've worked four through nine, right? Uh, uh, and we get to the promises on page 83. I think these are on 52s and promises are on 83. So that's 30 some pages. We work these steps and it is the exact opposite. If we're having trouble with personal relationships, we're going to lose interest in selfish things. Well, self-seeking will slip away. We couldn't afford, we can't control our emotional natures. Well, we're going to comprehend the word serenity and we're going to know peace. We'll pray to misery and depression. Well, our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Guess what? Mine has. I can't believe it. We couldn't make a living. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We had a feeling of uselessness. The feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We were full of fear. We won't truly know how to handle situations with juice to baffle us. And all of these promises, um, all of these bedevilments have the opposite. If we work these steps, if I take the action, and I have, and I am today, and I can't believe that I'm no longer living in fear. I can't believe I'm happy, joyous, and, and free. I'm neutral with food. 
But today, you know, yes, fears, these things do crop up. It tells us they're going to, not if, but when. But today with the actions and steps in my higher power, I don't have to live my life like this. I don't go to bed saying, I'm abstinent. Who cares if I yelled at my kids, kicked the dog, treated everybody at work disrespectfully? Today I can live honorably with integrity. I just can't believe I'm a principal person. And uh, uh, let me wrap up with this. I, today I do live the, my life beyond the wildest dreams. I always take the goofy slogans. And I'm just so grateful that I didn't leave this program. And today I'm willing to take the, the action and do the work. Thank you so much, Craig, for hearing me. Glad to be here. Glad you're doing this program. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, okay, Harlan G., you're up next. Thank you very much, Craig. Thanks for your service, and thanks to Team Tuesday for making this meeting possible. Uh, that's a tough act to follow, Kelly. Um, these bedevilments dispel for me some of the myths, as was just stated, that I had been hearing in OA from the day I walked in. What is the first myth that, dis- what, that has to get dispelled? The first myth that was just said Abstinence is the number one thing in my life without exception. False. Yes, I must be abstinent. Yes, abstinence has to be a given. But the most important thing in my life without exception is for me to perfect and enlarge my spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others. If I, didn't, if I do not do that, I will not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead, and then I will eat again, and for me to eat is to die. So the most important thing I need to look at here is it says our human problems, it says to apply to our human problems this same readiness to change our point of view. What is the point of view that I most need to change here? The point of view that I most need to change is that weight loss and abstinence is going to fix me. It's going to change me. Yes, I'm not diminishing the importance for me of weight loss and abstinence. They are vital to my survival. I certainly wouldn't want to sit here at 700 pounds and say, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm fat and serene. There's, I've been fat and I've been serene, and I've never been both at the same time. Yes, weight loss and abstinence are vital. But when I'm not in fit spiritual condition, I'm not serving others with no expectation of return. I'm not doing the steps constantly. I'll be having trouble with my personal relationships. Why? I'm angry. I'm scared. I'm selfish. I have a script. This one's not following my script. That one's not following my script. And I become a bear to be around. We couldn't control our emotional natures. Not only do I not have steps to give me the effect, I don't have the food to give me the effect. And the buildup of human emotions is too much for me to bear. We were a prey to misery and depression. Of course I was a prey to misery and depression. I'm unhappy all the time. I don't have the steps and I don't have the food. We couldn't make a living. I've been in sales when I'm not in fit spiritual condition. Excuse me. It grossly affects my income. We had a feeling of uselessness. I have to feel like I'm being of service to other people. If I don't have that feeling, then I am missing something vital. I'm full of fear and I'm unhappy. We couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. 
these bedevilments will plague me whether I'm eating or not. The only solution I have is to have a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps and to work the steps quickly and to effect a spiritual awakening means these bedevilments will not plague me. And with that, I will pass. Thank you very much for allowing me to share. Thank you. Okay, Harlan, thank you. Katie G., you're up. Katie? Yes, I apologize. I was talking. Can you hear me? <laughs> Can now. I was double muted. Okay, here we go again. KG recovered in Boston. And, um, yeah, I just, I I love this paragraph. And, um, you know, one of the most profound shifts for me was realizing, as our previous speakers have said, that this is, um, this is in a state for me of stone cold abstinence. You know, I first came in the rooms and I got thin and I was like, where's my stuff? You know, like, where's my relationship? Where's my job? Where's my career? Where's my, like, um, all of this is my disconnection from God, right? Because I'm empty. I'm empty. I'm not filling up with food. I've put on the weight. I'm not exercising bulimically. And now I need something else to fill me up. And so, I mean, personal relationships, I had none. I have visions of myself in the beginning when I was anorexic and, um, I would literally clean my house from top to bottom every weekend, and um, I lived alone. I didn't even have pets. I mean, I wish I had that kind of drive today, but that's not the case, thank you, God. I didn't have personal relations, and I fought everyone in program, in the program that was supposed to save me, right? You know, um, there's, a, there's a guy that I study, and um, he says, you know, when we're in the bedevilments, it's like uh, a limo pulls up to my house and says, hey, Katie, I'm fear, and I'm going to drive your butt today, right? And that's who I am, right? All of these are me without God. And, um, and yes, this is very much the past tense, but I do use these, these, um, these bedevilments to check myself. How am I doing today with personal relations? Am I looking to get something from somebody and everybody? Or am I being of service? What is my only aim? And I would be lying to you to say that there are not times that I'm on the phone like yesterday, snot nose messy crying, doing the work because I'm having trouble with personal relations. Why? Because of the emergence of the ego. It happens. It happens. And if you don't have it in your recovery, that's awesome. But I do. I do. But what's different today is that I press into God, is that I wake up in the morning and I know I'm off and I do the work and I help others and I do the work and I help others. And you know what happens is the main person that I'm having a problem with, again, because I'm the problem, we have a discussion at the end of the day. And guess what? There's peace. There's peace in my heart. There's peace with my God. There's peace in my house. Right, so these steps help me to become sane and useful and whole. But I'm not, I'm not focusing on how I can change the personal relations, how I can change the job. I'm focusing on how I can get back to God because that's all it means for me when I'm back in the bedevilments. Katie, you're disconnected from God. It's going to happen. Or emergence of the ego, it's going to happen. But how can I uncover, discover, and discard again? How can I go deeper again and surrender to a God 
who want so much more than I could even imagine. You know, so the miracle is we can keep, I'll just wrap up with this, we can keep doing the work over and over again, and we get deeper and go deeper, of course, in a state of abstinence, but so that I can keep this drunk off the street and be an effective member of this society. What a gift. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie. All right, uh, Nancy T, your turn. Yeah, it was Nancy P. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, whatever Nancy <laughs> it was. <laughs> A lot of Nancys here. Um, anyways, Nancy P. from Newton, Massachusetts, right outside of Boston. Um, yeah, this is an amazing paragraph. Um, if the whole point of this book is to get a relationship with God, then that relationship is, you know, the only thing that's going to keep me away from the food. I have maintained that for like ever that I hate the word abstinence. And this paragraph shows me why. And the reason why is because abstinence only has consequences. And the consequences are these bedevilments can't control the emotions, can't, you know, keep a job, um, feelings of uselessness, um, full of fear, uh, all that stuff. I mean, that and more, I couldn't keep a job. I was constantly alienating my friends and, um, it was terrible. And, but for the extreme agnostic like me, you know, I didn't grow up. Um, my parents did the best they could. Everybody did the best they could, but I just did not have a relationship with a higher power because in addition to um, not liking the word abstinence, I also disliked the word God. So I really felt like it was just never going to work for me. That was really the reason that I, you know, I'd see women at meetings, you know, hug, hug, kiss, kiss, and, you know, oh, it's so great to see you. And, you know, I, my whole attitude was, how come them and not me? How come them and not me? I never thought it was for me too. Um, so the bedevilments are like a double-edged sword. I need to have a healthy, a healthy relationship with the power greater than myself, but at the same time, the bedevilments show me that, you know, to have a healthy relationship with food, i.e. abstinence, is really the only way to begin um, to do that without letting it overtake me, you know, with having it be the only thing in my life that's without exception that has any importance. Um, so my spiritual awakening didn't fully blossom until um, I was done with step nine. And that showed me, you know, in that journey from there, you know, from the beginning to the end, to that point, showed me that um, the only way to corral these bedevilments was to surrender utterly, completely, absolutely, and to serve others. And um, I can say for myself that, um, you know, the, all of those things take daily work, which I do every day. I, I work hard to stay surrendered. I don't just, it's not one and done for me. Um, and I work hard to service others. And um, recently I haven't felt like my spiritual life was appropriately um, expanding. So I called another fellow and I asked for some more help. And um, I'm so thrilled because I feel like, you know, I needed more, you know. And, um, and, I, and I asked what to do. I asked my higher power what to do and the answer came. And um, so now I feel like I'm, a little more in the middle of the of the track that I need to be on. I I was there, but I just wasn't feel didn't feel like I was moving, and now I do, and that's what's 
is so great about this program. It's fluid and it can always expand. You never have to stay where you are. So um, I just am so grateful that I've surrendered and um, that I'm staying surrendered because it all begins with surrender. And with that, I'll pass. All right. Thanks, Nancy P. Uh, Duell, your turn. Good morning. This is Duell, Recover Compulsible Reader. Um, I just absolutely love this uh, paragraph and how the first 100 men and women designed it. Because um, it's asking you two questions. Um, this is not about step nine. This is not about 10 or 11 or even 12. Um, this is about steps one and two. We're we agnostic, and when they designed the book, they were taking it step by step like a textbook, and they're teaching us two things um, here. First, they want you to impress upon you who you are. I'm a compulsive overeater, and I have to admit step one. Admit step one is I'm admitting that I'm powerless over my food and that my life becomes unmanageable. And if my life becomes unmanageable, this is what it looks like when I'm unmanageable. I can't hold relationships. I can't hold my emotional nature. I'm, I'm prey to misery and depression. Uh, I'm, I feel useless. I feel unhappy. I feel miserable. And this is why I'm either in the food or out of the food without working the steps, you know? And so the impression that they're saying here, if you have these things, then you have not only the physical allergy, you have the mental obsession. And, and how do we know that? Because the bedevilment is a definition of bedevilment is to torment or harass maliciously, diabolically, as with doubts, distractions, or worries, to possess with the devil, bewitch, to cause confusion or doubt in a muddle, confound an issue bedeviled by prejudices. Well, isn't that describing step one? Isn't that describing what my condition is? Now it asks me, step two question. It says, we ask ourselves why we should apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. You know, am I willing to believe in a power greater than myself? Am I willing to change my prejudiced ideas of not allowing God in, into my life? That's the question. So, you know, um, it's a step one and a step two question, and I think it's, it's um, uh, done in a, a very, very um, unique way to constantly impress upon us, you know, that step one needs to be taken in order to move towards the solution. If I don't take step one to begin with, I'm not going to move towards the solution. But if I am willing to do that, then change can happen, and, and then we're going to go on to what that solution looks like, what that is going to look like in my life so that I can get to the point where I can recover and have a happy, joyous, and free life. And with that, I pass. Okay, Drew, thank you. Uh, next, we have Marilyn. Uh, Marilyn T., I think. Marilyn? Thank you, Craig. Thank you so much. My name is Marilyn T, and I'm a grateful. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I'm a grateful uh, compulsive overeater. Um, several months ago, I relapsed, and I had um, 
came to a vision for you January of 2018. And, you know, I, I had that attitude before I relapsed that I got this. As my sponsor said, you're in real trouble if you think you got this. So I'm back with my sponsor, and we're doing it again. And uh, this this paragraph just about, you know, really says it all. She uh, made me switch everything to I and if it applied my, but mostly it was I. So when you change this whole thing to I and the bedevilments, um, yeah, you're at step two and one. You're at step one and that you're powerless, totally powerless, and that your life is unmanageable. And I got to tell you, since I relapsed, I have really doubled my efforts to uh, have a better connection with my higher power. And uh must have been meant to be because I am now to be truly tested on this whole paragraph. I am to be truly tested. I thank all of you who have called and helped me in my time of need. My uh, son just succumbed to a disease of drug addiction, and I will identify his body tomorrow. Hopefully I won't have to, but I will. If If I don't feel these feelings and let it go through me and let it come out, if I don't accept your help when it's offered, if I don't get down on my knees and beg God to help me, I will never make it. I will be a statistic as my son was. I will not beat the game. I will never beat the game. If my nose is not in this book, my nose will be in the food. If I am not helping someone, if I'm not sharing my experience, strength, and hope, I am a sorry excuse. And I am not deserving of my son's love, but I am deserving of God's love. I am deserving of my son. We don't all make it. We don't all make it. If you don't read this book, you'll never know. You'll never have the miracle. You'll never get to feel the feelings and let them go in and out. Please pick up this book. Please get a sponsor. Please work this program. Thank you very much. I pass. Well, God bless you, Marilyn. Thanks for sharing that from the heart. We uh, hope there's 400 people on here all praying with you. So, um, thanks. Okay, we're going to open the floor up again. Uh, who else would like to share on the bedevilments? Ross M. Page. Russ M. Linda J. On M. The Red Gen A. Leah A on M. Leah. Sally A. Kelly A H. Sally A. Sally A. Sally A. That's it. Thank you. All right. I think I had a Kelly A H in there. Did I not? Loretta H. No. All right, Loretta H. All right, let's take that list. I have uh, Russ M, Lynn S, Jen A, uh, Leah M, Sally A, and Loretta H. Okay, uh, Russ, take us away. 
Good morning, Craig. Good morning, fellows. Russ Emery cover compulsive over here outside of Philly. So when I read these these lines here, this paragraph, what comes to mind to me is there's no other option for me. There's nothing else. You know, because there's there's gonna be times when I get on people's nerves and they get on my damn nerves. There's gonna be times when you know, I don't know, one of my kids are sick or a car accident happens or life just kicks me in the face, right? Hey, I could be the picture of health. I could be slim in shape, yet be an emotional dry drunk. So, and not useful to people. That's that's one of the things that got me the most when I, I was a, I was like a waste of a life. Honestly, if you want what, what what I really felt about it. So, like, there's no other option. Because, yes, I can stay out of the food. Yes, I can, you know, get slim and, oh, how'd you do it? No. And if, if I'm treating people like garbage and I can't function in the in just the regular tasks, simple tasks of, of, like, a person that gets things done, what's the use? What's the use? I mean, I hey, if I could not be crazy i'd stay heavy but you know that's not how it works that's not how life works and um so that's what comes up when i when i read these bedevilments and then i think of how far i've come with god's help and only with it with, with god's help only with this program everything else was a futile attempt and i ended up back in the food and i was hurting people and I was upside down, you know, I was a mess. So when I read the bedevilment, you know, it's, it's like a wake up call to me that I have to have a spiritual barometer. I gotta know where I am and I have to develop my spiritual fitness because if I'm not developing my spiritual fitness, if I'm not working on my spiritual life, you, you might as well call me a zombie, be dead because I'm not going to be worth anything to anyone. Let it, you know, God or my family, right, or my people around me, people around me. So, thank you for letting me share. I appreciate it. Love you guys. Have a great day. All right, Russ. Love you too. Thank you, Lynn S. You're up. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Boy, you know, all they had to do was. This is the story of my life. I was just going to say, like, this is my life right here, having trouble with personal relationships, couldn't control my emotional natures, a prey to misery and depression, couldn't make a living. I could make a living, but it was killing me dealing with the people at work, Uh, a feeling of uselessness, full of fear, unhappy, never occurred to me to be help to other people. And it's so interesting because it says, the same readiness to change our point of view. I don't even know if I ever considered changing my point of view. I spent my whole life trying to change them. Why weren't they different? I remember standing at the airport shoveling food into myself in, in front of a car rental place while my boss and her friend were coming up in line. And the friend just looked at me, and there I am, 140 pounds overweight, shoveling food into my face. And she said, are you hungry, Lynn? And I was such an embarrassment to myself and everybody else with behavior like that, but I couldn't see it. Um, I'm not saying that was one of my bedevilments. I'm just 
remembering that particular experience right now, I was just so lost. Never occurred to me for me to change my point of view, or perhaps it did occur to me, but how could I possibly do that? Every fiber of my being was screaming these bedevilments at me. I was a living, breathing bedevilment. This is the miracle of program, realizing there's something wrong with me and how I view the world. And I can't do one single thing about it. I have to admit my powerlessness over food and my life has become unmanageable. Come to believe that a power greater than myself can restore me to sanity because this life is insane and then became willing to turn my life over to the care and direction of God. I'm just, I love this paragraph. It always makes me rethink how I am working the program today and I'm so grateful that we read it. And with that, I'll pass. Okay. Thank you, Lynn. Jan A. from Colorado. Jan, your turn. Good morning, Craig. Thank you so much for your service today. This is Jen A., Recovered Compulsive Overeater Anorexic and Bulimic from Colorado. Um, so I remember, you know, being in the rooms and knowing that, that, you know, there was a problem with the food, right? And I admitted that I was powerless over food. And then the first step says that our lives had become unmanageable, not and that my lives were unmanageable, but that, you know, there's no and in there. I have to remember that. Um, and so um, when we got to this paragraph, in fact, my sponsor took it to me, uh, took me to this paragraph, he jumped to 52. And he says, well, let's just take a look at these questions. I said, there's no questions here. He goes, yeah, there are. He goes, this is the unmanageability inventory, Jennifer. He says, you're going to ask yourself these nine questions. And I said, okay. So he, he mapped them all out for me. Was I having trouble with personal relationships? Could I could control my emotional natures? Was I afraid of misery or depression? Was I making a living? Was I feeling useless? Was I full of fear? Was I unhappy? Was I being of real help to other people? I didn't see what I didn't see. I didn't realize that this food had caused me problems my entire life. Not only had it caused me problems, but that I was causing problems in my life. Um, so the bedevilment summed up how my life sucked, right? They're the symptoms of my dying spirit. I was living in fear, cut off from love, cut off from the sunlight of the spirit. I didn't know what the sunlight of the spirit was. But when I took step one, I can't. And I came to believe, right, God can. Then it opened up the door to those first rays of the sunlight of the Spirit. I was cracked open just a little when I could see what I couldn't see that whole time. Why couldn't I see it? Because it was covered up with food. Hours in the gym. Hours over a toilet. That's how it was covered up for me. But when I became entirely abstinent, when I got out of the gyms, you know, when I stopped doing all those behavioral things, then God could truly come in. Um, so it's, it's just a great place to be today. And why? Because like Kelly said this morning, 31 pages later, right? The bottom of page um, 83, the top of page 84, 
guts me as a recovered woman today. Thank you, God, that I'm living in that area. And does that mean I'm not going to experience any of the bedevilments? Absolutely not. That's when I know that I'm beginning to get blocked off from God. And the sun isn't as bright, and I don't feel the warmth of my creator. Um, But I know how to get unblocked. I know how to run towards him, open up my heart and my head and my arms, and get free. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jen. Okay, Leah M., your turn, Leah. Good morning. Thanks so much. Uh, let me just say I was no vision for you when I got here. <laughs> I had no tools for a living except a fork and a knife and a fist down uh, some cellophane bags and bakery boxes. And no wonder I could never stay abstinent. You know, I put the food down thousands of times. But when this, you know, when this paragraph is residing between my ears and rolling around my head, of course I'm going to need relief. You know, it's like trying to hold your breath underwater. At some point, you're just going to, you know, catapult to the surface and, and dig in for some substances to take the misery away. Because under the heavy anesthetic of compulsive overeating, there was a numbness. Compulsive overeating was a desperate attempt to alleviate the pain of living, to alleviate this paragraph and cut myself off from all connections with reality, with relationships, and with life itself. Abstinence takes care of the allergy of the body. Abstinence is physical. What's going to take care of the unmanageability, my spiritual malady? Because when the food's down, I'm no longer a slave to the allergy. Yet enslavement still threatened me. You know, we just read that, the page before, leaving aside the drink question, they tell why living was so unsatisfactory. We're not talking about food anymore once the food's down. Food has nothing to do with it anymore. We're talking about how I live my life. What are my uh, core belief systems? What is my perspective on the world? You know, the program of recovery gives me a new way to live life, a new vision for life. This paragraph is life before God consciousness. This is a paragraph about what self-sufficiency looks like, self-reliance looks like for someone like me. This is a behavioral description of unmanageability for someone like me. You know, until I wrecked and tore through every relationship and every facet of my life was deteriorated because of the way I viewed the world and because of the self-centeredness. You know, the self-centeredness. How do you become unself-centered? There has to be another centered. It's called God-centeredness. That's the real centered. Anytime I'm operating from a real center of God, then my perspective on everything changes to true perspective. So the 12 steps are designed for living, and they set give me a set of principles that tell me how I should live and keep that God at the center. There's no graduation. That is for sure. But if I can live by these principles daily, day in and day out, in every facet of my life, I have peace and contentment, and I live the promises that we talk about on page 83. I do still have self-will. I can do what I want to do. I still have a choice. (laughs) I have a choice every day. God's will, line myself with God's will, or be self-centered. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. All right. Sally, your turn. Sally A. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm just kind of taking up where Leah left off, I hope. Um, I wanted to speak on this first sentence. We had to ask ourselves why 
I think we just lost you, Sally. Are you there? Did you get muted somehow? I'm back. (laughs) Okay. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. So this sentence, uh, we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems this same readiness to change our point of view. That is what I wanted to speak on this morning, the readiness to change our point of view. And how do I get that readiness to change my point of view? And I get that readiness because I'm clinging to, initially, I'm holding on to my sponsor's hand, and then I'm, then I'm holding on to God's hand. We see the sentence in the big book, in God's hands. And that readiness to change my point of view, I've had to ask myself many times, what happened? I was recovered. What happened? And the conclusion I've come to is it's a lot of ego to do 12-step work. And it's very humbling to do 10-step and 11-step work and to say the words, can you help me? And so this is the balancing act that living in 10, 11, and 12 gives us, that we have to be willing to humble ourselves and say, I need you, to our sponsor, to each other, and then to turn around and say, how can I help you to another person? And if we don't do both, we're going to be back in the food. If we think that we're going to just stay in step 12, give and give and give, because it's very ego-stroking to say, how can I help you? But it's very humbling to say, can you help me? And we need both. And so that, for me, is the readiness to change. The readiness to change is to say, can you help me? At least as much as, how can I help you? Thanks for letting me share with that iPad. Okay, thanks, Sally. Uh, Next, we have Loretta. Uh, Loretta H., you're up. Thank you, Craig, and thank you, everybody, for your heartfelt share, especially the lady who just had the depth. Um, I'm sorry. There for the grace of God go I. Hi, this is Loretta H., Loretta H., anorexic compulsive overeater, grace with God's abstinence for today. And um, I also, um, human problems. I've always known I've been a compulsive overeater since I was five. And because of that, and my life looked like it was manageable, and that's the person that shared, there's a difference between and and that. That, my life was unmanageable. And that's what got, I was a devil. I mean, I actually did everything and terrified everybody around me because of my disease and especially when I was in the anorexia and with God's grace today and this is only for me um, I do have a food plan and I consider my food plan a tool but for me my abstinence is spiritual and I have to practice principles in all my affairs and that's how my God and I try to conduct my daily affairs because I do get in the bedevilment probably five, six times a day. You know, I have a husband, I have relationships, and I am a um, human. And so as a result, I have defenses of character that always pop up. 
But with God's grace, if I work this program, and especially I love to read um, 83 through 88 because for me it's in the pause all the time. If I get into the pause and use spiritual energy, then as it says on 83 about I am much more efficient and I can actually be of service to other people even though I'm in the throes of my own mental state because my next action is to do something that is working the steps. Well, what uh, my first sponsor always used to say whenever I had a problem or I was a devil, um, what step are you on? What step? First of all, I definitely have to know that I'm powerless. That my life is unmanageable. And then with God's grace and being um, in my food plan with my non-alcoholic foods out, then I can work this program with and towards my abstinence of my spiritual fitness. So thank you, everybody, and thanks for um, all the heartfelt cheers. Craig, thanks for your service. And I'm so grateful to be today a recovered compulsive overeater who loves, loves her life today because of this program. And I never wanted to be this, but I'm so grateful I am today because it is the greatest journey I've ever been on. So thank you. I pass. All right, Loretta. Loretta, thank you. <clears throat> okay, we have time for one more regular share or two short ones. So, who would like Christina to go? Christina J. Jason K. Christina. Who, who was that last one? Jason K. Oh, hi, Jason. All right, well, we'll see if we get to you. Let's go, Christina. Okay, thank you. My name is Christina J. from Washington State, and grateful to be on the line this morning, especially with this paragraph, because last night... I lost my emotional serenity. Um, Sunlight of the spirit was blocked out by an old fear that rose up that I thought I was pretty much getting under control. I had one particular way of living my career, and that had to change. It's been changing for a number of years, and I'm kind of in the in the middle of the ocean right now. I have some ideas of where I'm going, but I'm not quite sure. So. I watched a video of someone last night doing what I used to do, and the old fears of, oh my God, I'm not doing that anymore. My life is not going to ever happen. My career is never going to happen again the way I want it to. And I was completely knocked over. Complete. I went into depression. Um, my emotional nature was off balance. Uh, I had a feeling of uselessness completely. I was full of fear. Uh, I went to bed that way. I worked a 10-step um, and really surrendered and finally went to sleep. But, of course, 1 o'clock in the morning, here it comes again like the demon it is. And I asked God to show me. Show me what the hell's going on with this because I know that this is not the right road anymore. I can't go backwards. I've got to go forward with your love, your guidance. I've got the oars. I'm going to row. You're going to guide the ship. So I had a dream, and God showed me in the dream that I was like one of these people that hits midlife, and they want to go back, they go get hair implants, or they go get plastic surgery, they buy a new fancy car, they go get, they leave their relationship for a younger woman, they're going completely back to the past and not moving forward with what they've learned all their life, the compost of their soul, the 
the growth they've had spiritually that they're now going to spread to others and help others and be of service. The second half of my life is meant to be of service, and that's what my new journey is going to be. I'm not sure how it's going to form out yet. So I'm sitting here in the middle of the ocean with my oars ready to go, and God's like, you're going to wait for a little while. I'm preparing things. I'm setting things up. So um woke up this morning. I had meditation, and I knew the dream was showing me what I was trying to do and where I had gone in myself. And thank God I didn't have to eat over it. I didn't even have the desire to eat over it. But I'll tell you what, being lost in those emotional places of fear and depression and misery when they hit you over the head with a mallet, it's like, oh, my God, it's worse than cravings. (laughs) So thank God I was able to um, come out of that and realize the lesson, realize that today I take a deep breath, I take one step at a time, I do what I need to do today, I stay in program, I'm of service to my sponsees. And uh, I reach out to you guys, and I love this meeting. There's been so many great shares and beautiful, beautiful hearts sharing, and I pray for everyone that's struggling, and um, thank you for letting me share, and I pass. All right. I'm sorry, Jason, but it's time to close. So you may have to, if you want to share, hold over to the second hour. So we're now going to close with the reading from the big book on page 164. Um But no, first I'm going to say thank you, everyone who shared. Please join us for that second unrecorded hour study immediately following closing. The share ID for today is 13,350-13350. Okay, Um, now we're going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Uh, We'll... um, Aaron, I, please read from uh, a, a Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Sure. This is Aaron, I, compulsive eater from upstate New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. 